0: Hot chicken has always been the secret of Nashville This is where it started, with the Prince family
1: In the last 15 years, Nashville hot chicken has become a hot trend Even KFC added it to the menu But for decades before that, hot chicken was well known among Nashville's black community and some white folks Originally, there was only one place you could get it The place where it was invented Prince's
0: This is my favorite place to eat. Last week I was in West Tennessee and I was fiending for Prince's Chicken. (laughs) So (laughs) I had had to come Tuesday when they
1: opened up. Now I'm back on Saturday. What does it mean to come here with your son? Building a a family culture and a tradition. Today, Prince's is a community institution and a popular spot for tourists and celebrities. How does Beyonce like her chicken? Map. Oh. Well, she's got hot sauce in her bag, though. Yeah. (laughs) The Louisiana hot sauce. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The hot chicken boom has been great for princes, but lots of well-funded, white-owned places have also sprung up to capitalize on the trend, and they've grown very quickly. So as hot chicken becomes big business, are the people who invented it getting what they deserve? This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. The hot chicken origin story is apocryphal, but it goes like this. Thornton Prince was a philanderer. One night way back in the 30s, after being out all night, he came home to his girlfriend. She was fed up with his womanizing and his partying. So when she made his beloved fried chicken for breakfast, she covered it in the hottest hot sauce she could put together. She wanted him to suffer. But instead, he loved it. He asked for more. Soon after, she left him. But Prince couldn't get that chicken out of his head. He worked to recreate the recipe and in 1945 opened a place called Barbecue Chicken Shack. Over the years, it's had a few different locations. Today, there are two one in South Nashville and one in a food hall downtown near the Country Music Hall of Fame. When I went a few years ago, before COVID, I visited a location that's now closed. It was in a strip mall on the east side of Nashville, near a gas station and a pizza hut. From the outside, you'd never guess you were looking at a restaurant that the James Beard Foundation has recognized as an American classic. Inside, the wooden booths were decades old. A lot of people refer to them as pews. The hot chicken itself is served in a slice of white bread with sliced pickles on top. And everyone knows it's insanely spicy. Even the mild is too spicy for some folks. When I visited, I sat down with Andre Prince Jeffries. Thornton Prince was her great uncle. Her parents ran the place before her. Now she's been in charge for 40 years. How much hot chicken do you eat these days?
0: No, I eat a piece every day just to test it. But the way I test it mainly is to let it sit overnight because that's how I grew up. It was always a late-night place, and my father would bring it home on Saturday nights. And when we'd get up on Sunday mornings ready to go to Sunday school and have our breakfast, I'd see this greasy bag sitting on the stove. So I like it when it's kind of sat a while, and those flavors had kind of saturated it. And that's when I know it's right. So I let my (laughs) chicken sit a while. And that's when I eat it.
1: What's your strategy with the white bread? Do you eat that before or after? How do you like?
0: I don't know. What role I does the white bread... that bread in that grease.
1: Uh, so the and bread some is- people
0: just come in just for the bread. Dip the bread, and they buy the, just the bread soaked. That bread has those good sauces saturated in it. You can't beat it.
1: Andre didn't spend a lot of time in the restaurant as a kid. Like she said, it was only open later at night. But she does remember one time her dad brought her in there during the day when it was closed. She was 10 or 11. This was during segregation.
0: And he took us to a room outside the kitchen. And I said, what is this room for? And he said, this is for the white folks. Oh, what? (laughs) So the blacks ate in the front. And the whites ate in the back. They had a special door. This is the secret of Nashville. They didn't talk about it. They just kind of took it for granted. The Grand Ole Opry people, long time ago, hey, when they come out of that Grand Ole Opry downtown, they beat that door down, getting in that back door, in that back room, (laughs) in that secret room. Yeah.
1: In the years after segregation, the restaurant moved and the layout changed. White customers no longer sat in the back. But the place remained more of a secret in Nashville's white community while it was well-known in the black community. In 1980, Andre took over the business. At the time, she was 34, recently divorced, two kids, and working a government job
0: my mother and father were the ones that were helping me along after my divorce, helping me pay my bills and so forth and so on. And I guess they were thinking of the future because at the time my mother was ill in the hospital and she had been in the hospital with breast cancer. But before she passed, that was her suggestion that uh, that
1: I take over. Did you think at that time that you did? Did you have Plans or aspirations, or did you think this was going to be your life's work? Or I had no idea. Yeah,
0: I had to make it no idea. I'm right. just just trying to pay a bill, right. pay a bill, and and of course my my eyes were big and never you know being in real business like when I'm I'm still not crossing all the t's, not dotting all the i's, but I, I have learned as I've gone.
1: What, what are some of the most valuable lessons you've learned running the business over these years? Persistence and patience.
0: Don't take criticism personally. Just appreciate it, adjust, and
1: move on. And you made some pretty, uh, what turned out to be savvy, business decisions in your early days. Oh, you I don't
0: eat- know. I've had plenty of help. No way I could do anything, right. <laughs> anything by myself.
1: Now, I know before you took over, it was called the Barbecue Chicken Shack. Yes,
0: that's another thing that I did was change the name to Prince. The Prince is the family name. People think I'm calling myself Royal, but <laughs> Prince is our family name.
1: Andre says she never understood why the place was called Barbecue Chicken Shack, since they didn't serve barbecue chicken. She changed the name to Prince's Hot Chicken Shack. So she was the first to start calling it Hot Chicken. And by putting her family's name on the door, she made sure everyone knew who invented it. Those decisions proved to be strokes of branding genius. Andre also added different spice levels. Before, you could only get it one way. And she opened the restaurant during the day instead of just at night. That created a lunch business which brought in families, office workers, and one local politician who would prove instrumental in spreading the hot chicken gospel.
0: I will give due to former Mayor Bill Purcell, who really took the lid off the box. He's been eating it as, well, he was eating it before I took over. He's the one that started Hot Chicken Festival.
1: Later in the show, we'll talk with Mayor Purcell, that first Nashville Hot Chicken Festival was back in 2007. And that, that was the spark. These days, hot chicken is popping up on menus across the country. Like I said, even KFC is serving it. And Andre has customers like Anthony Bourdain, Guy Fieri, Kid Rock, Jay-Z, Beyonce, and some others that I found even more surprising.
0: The KKK come in, but uh, all money's green. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do they, were they in their robes?
0: Oh, they had the caps on, saying, had the little signature on the caps, KKK. And they, they said, that's who called me. They were coming out of Kentucky where they, you know, they had their meeting. So, and then they came back the next day, hey. <laughs> <laughs> you just take the money. <laughs> hey, I got bills to pay. I don't care. How <laughs> would you believe?
1: When those guys first walked in, what were you thinking?
0: Uh-oh. Yeah, am I dreaming? But hey, it ain't no big thing. They got to eat too. They're hungry.
1: Is it me or is there like a great irony in these Klan members patronizing a Black-owned business? Oh,
0: they've always been there. You know, we, they, we've always been in the kitchen. <laughs> so they go they, they where the food is. You know, they don't care.
1: The complicated racial dynamics of princes don't end there. As hot chicken has taken off, a lot of new places have opened up to try to capitalize on the trend. A lot of them are owned by white folks and have big money behind them. The best known is Hattie B's. It's a sleek, fast, casual place with four locations in Nashville, all in or near downtown. There are also locations in Birmingham, Memphis, Atlanta, even Vegas. A 2016 profile of their owner on the website Food Republic was titled, Meet the Man Who Launched the Nashville Hot Chicken Craze. It said, Hattie B's has made hot chicken cool. That sparked a controversy. A response in the newspaper Nashville Scene said, Let's be honest. When you have a chicken dish that a quarter of the city has loved for almost a century, and the rest of the city comes to love when they learn about it, it's racism that kept most white people from knowing about hot chicken, because white people didn't go into black neighborhoods. When the black people who have the decades-long experience in making hot chicken don't grow rich off it, but the white kid who got to go to culinary school does, it's not because his hot chicken tastes better— It's that it's still really hard for Black people to go to culinary school or to get the bank loans that would let them expand their businesses into neighborhoods white people will visit. The piece continues, no one should begrudge Hattie B's their success. The food's great, the locations are great, but for them to fail to acknowledge the fundamental reason Hattie B's is more successful than the older hot chicken joints just feeds into the same old racist dishonesty. up, I'll ask Andre and the customers at Prince's what they think of that. And it turns out, the issue is not quite so straightforward. Stick around. Ooh, advertisements. (laughs) Yummy. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. Last week on the show, I talked with Padma Lakshmi, host and executive producer of Top Chef and the Hulu series Taste the Nation. The world's changed a lot since I first had her on the show five years ago. And so has Padma. She's now more outspoken about a range of issues, including the way women on TV are expected to look.
0: I can't single-handedly take down the patriarchy I wish I could and I'm trying but you know I can't I still I still have to work within the system if I want a job in television Um, today I have more power not only with Hulu but even on Top Chef because I'm an executive producer I have proved my worth and times have changed and so you know hopefully everybody's changing with them or they will be left behind
1: Padma also talks about the complicated nature of assimilation and why her show Taste the Nation almost didn't get made. That one's up now. Check it out. Now back to Prince's Hot Chicken in Nashville. As I sat with Andre Prince Jeffries, we discussed what I should order.
0: Now, I know you're not going to have it hot.
1: Oh, no, no, I'm not going to have it hot. I'm, 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 I, I, I like some spice. You think you can take a medium? Well, I'm, I'm debating between mild and medium.
0: Well, if you're not used to spicy food, you start with a mild. But if you're, if you're used to something spicy, then go to medium. Medium is pretty hot. Now, like I say, I don't go past mild.
1: <laughs> Maybe I'll get no. one small bit of mild and one small bit of medium.
0: Okay. What do you, th- what do you that think that of that strategy? That'll work.
1: While I waited for the food, I talked with Andre about hot chicken's newfound popularity. Since, you know, there's been this huge explosion called the hot chicken boom over the last 10 years. That's right, Um, over the last 10 years. How has that affected your business?
0: Well, it's increased. It's helped me. It's helped me. It has caught on so... All all of a sudden, like, we've been here all along, so (laughs) what's the big deal?
1: (laughs) When you see other restaurants that have come, just sort of picked up on hot chicken in the last few years, expanding what and growing. You? They're going into other cities. They're getting, some of them are getting a lot of investment dollars. And even though you you guys are doing well, they're also doing really well.
0: Well, I, I it, it, it could have been me, but I, I was just... I just like taking things slow. I just my purpose was to try to keep something in the family. Mom and pop places are disappearing so fast, big businesses is taking over, and big business can always get those big loans. whereas mom and pop places can't. The banks are not going to give us the money. they don't trust us with the money. so hey, that's how how it works, but something ought to stay just small and keep it local you know but I've had offers all over the world to come open up this and open up that but you gotta know what you're doing if you don't hey you signed your life away so you can tell I'm not money crazy because otherwise I would have been <laughs> taking all all kind of offices I have had some I regret I hadn't taken, but, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, like, like but what, anyway, like, what can you give me a rough idea? Like what was one of the offers that you you might regret to come
0: taking? to Dubai was one of them, and of course, like uh, open a but, restaurant there. Yeah, yeah, uh, and New York, New York, several times in New York.
1: How much money are they offering you?
0: Uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have to work anymore. I <laughs> <laughs> probably wouldn't have to come down here anymore. I could probably be like Colonel Sanders and never be seen. <laughs> I enjoy the people. I, I, I enjoy the closeness and the intimacy of, uh, of my customers, and they 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 keep me going. They keep me going.
1: Why did you decide not to take any of those offers? My age. <laughs> <laughs>
0: my age and some things you just wish would never
1: change you know you talked about how the, the idea that big business you know these uh, oh, of course they're, they're going to have advantages oh, uh, of course. they're going to be able to get big loans like you say right um, there are some people who would say that, that the other advantage that some of the newer hot chicken places have uh, that <laughs> allows them to get more funding is that they're owned and run by white people
0: well that's true that's true. You have to admit, racism still exists. Close your eyes if you want to, but it's still there when you open your eyes. <laughs> That's no secret. <laughs> that is no secret, because sometimes I wonder, you know, if if I were a different color, where would I be?
1: <laughs> if, it, if it happens in the next few years that one of the other places that sprung up more recently, whether it's Hattie B's or one of the other ones, If five or ten years from now, Hattie B's is worth $100 million and they get restaurants all over the country, how would you feel about that?
0: I mean, that's Hattie B's. (laughs) That's Hattie B's. Like I say, they got the money. You can't be jealous of that, but you know who you are and you stand up on it.
1: came right away. You notice the look of it. It has a dark reddish brown color to it because of all the hot sauce. And I saw people were saying about the white bread, how it soaks in all that chicken juice and fat and hot sauce flavor. I ended up asking for extra white bread and extra pickles and then pulling the meat off the bone and putting it on the white bread with some pickles and then folding it up and eating it sort of like a taco. And this was a spice I had not experienced before. The recipe is a secret. It's clearly got a lot of cayenne, but beyond that, who knows? But it's not just hot sauce spicy. It's not just spicy on your tongue. This heat hits you deep. Andre's daughter, Ye, came back to check on me. So, for this part of the interview, I may be coughing and stopping to drink water a little bit. Understand. (laughs) That was amazing.
0: Thank you. And
1: intense in a very good way. You can see that I completely destroyed the mild.
0: You annihilated. Yeah. Definitely.
1: The medium I struggled with. (laughs) Uh,
0: I just had mild myself, so definitely that's more than enough for me.
1: So who the hell orders extra, extra hot? There are usually women get the extra, extra hot. I have to say, I didn't realize quite how amazing this hot chicken was until like hours later. Even as it was burning a hole in my stomach, I found myself craving it like crazy. You know, I've read about how spicy food can cause your brain to release endorphins and dopamine to basically make you feel high. But this was the first time in my life I felt like I had experienced such an intense hot food high that I was suffering withdrawal. I had some leftovers stored in the fridge in my hotel room. Later that night, I was at an event at the hotel and I actually left the event where they were serving dinner, by the way, to go up to my room to eat more hot chicken. Then I went back down to the event. The next day, I went back to Prince's for more, and I talked to some customers. At both my visits, the crowd there was about 50-50, black-white, maybe 60% black at some points. And at least on this particular weekend, most of the black folks I talked with grew up in Nashville and have been coming to Prince's for a long time. The white folks were more recent transplants or tourists. When did you first hear of, of Nashville Hot Chicken?
2: For me, like an hour ago in the car. (laughs) (laughs) And for you? It was in the tour book.
1: And so you ended up here at Prince's because it's in the tour book.
0: Yeah, it's a recommended place to go.
1: I talked to one woman there named Carlotta. She's black, born and raised in Nashville. She comes to Prince's most Friday nights.
3: Nashville has a lot of different hot chicken places, but to me, nothing compares to Prince's.
1: Some of the restaurants that have had a lot of money pumped into them and that are doing real well now mm. off of the hot chicken concept right. are are also owned by white people. Okay, you know, and there's been some tension around that issue. You know, what do you make of that?
3: Well, to be honest, I haven't heard anything about it, but I'm gonna say it like this: I'm gonna be nice about it. We know how to cook some good chicken. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, of course, the food business, everybody's always in competition with the food business because to be honest with you, it's not going anywhere. You know what I'm saying?
1: People got to eat.
3: Everybody got to eat.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, it's, it's a big topic right now in the world of food, cultural appropriation. Right. And especially when you have food that originates with people of color and the white folks come right. along and start making all the money. Right. But I feel like in this case, it's a little more complicated mm-hmm. because there's this big hot chicken boom happening. The princess is benefiting. Right. Right. They are getting credit. They right. are getting more money. They're right. bes- so it's like it's not like they're just getting
3: right. steamrolled. Mm-hmm.
1: But then you see, you know, like Hattie B's as a oh, place.
3: well, let me tell you, because I do like me some Hattie B's. Okay. I, I will say that. Now, other than this place, Hattie B's will be the only other place I will go to get some hot chicken. Okay. And for me, it's not like a black or a white thing. It's not. As long as the food is good and delicious and, and at a, an affordable price, they're going to always stay in business, you know?
1: Before I could leave Prince's, there was another pivotal figure in the hot chicken story that I had to meet. Bill Purcell grew up in the Philly area. He came to Nashville to go to law school at Vanderbilt, and he never left. In the 80s, he got into state government, which is when he fell in love with hot chicken. After that, he was mayor of Nashville for two terms. In 2007, he helped create the first Nashville Hot Chicken Festival, which, like I said, sparked the boom. But even before that, he and Andre clearly formed a bond.
0: He came and not only just ate the chicken but he used to come in here and answer the phone <laughs> he was so personal right. and take the call in orders and write them down for <laughs> us that's his purpose yeah. that's his purpose for here here on this earth to help Andre <laughs> <laughs> that's,
2: that's a perfect thing to say I think we should call the pallbearers in
1: right now
0: oh you're the best you're the best
1: Andre sat with us as I talked with Mayor Purcell about the first time he ate hot chicken.
2: I, I think it's very much the same for everyone. You, you have some thought that this is different. Obviously, there's another word in the title. It's, uh, it, it, it appears to be different uh, because it's darker and spicier and unlike any other fried chicken or chicken you've seen. And really, the first bite told me that this was transformative and that I would never be the same. Of he this. saw the light I did well I saw all kind of light and I but it, I, I knew it was for me and ultimately I decided it was for everybody
1: how what spice level do you like your chicken at
2: well, I, I, it goes without That's saying, like- this is a hot chicken shack. That's right. uh, and so I have hot chicken here. I, I don't have mild or medium. If you wanted medium, you could look for a medium chicken shack. I don't know of one. But I, I, I have what uh, has made this place in this city uh, so special. That's the hot chicken. I,
1: I don't recommend the extra hot. And what's your strategy, Mr. Mayor? You, you pick it up and eat it? How do you incorporate the white bread? How do you approach the hot chicken?
2: I sort of work my way through it. The chicken is on top, I eat the chicken. I consider the bread to be almost like dessert.
1: <laughs> Mr. Mayor, were you a spicy food fan before moving to Nashville? No, I wouldn't say
2: so. It was Prince's that uh, introduced me to, to this kind of heat.
1: Wait, so, so you went from not having really any taste for spicy food to eating it hot here? Yes. Yes. The are taste your good. taste buds okay? Evening, I think are, no, they, they, are they, they functional? Good. I think they did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> My taste buds are just fine.
1: Thank you. It
2: didn't occur to me to eat anything else. It's a hot chicken shack. You you you're coming to a place that specializes in hot chicken and you have hot chicken. It would sort of be like asking for yeah, if you want to have a cheesesteak and saying no cheese or I want to have a cheesesteak and just cheese, no steak. I mean, this is a hot
1: chicken shack. So, are you telling me that if someone doesn't order it hot that they're not really having hot chicken? Are you going to say that right now in front of Andre? No, I'm going to eat my chicken. (laughs) Mr. Mayor, tell me about the first time that you considered this idea of a festival. Tell me about the inspiration for that.
2: Well, the inspiration really came uh, from Nashville. We were in the process of beginning the planning for the celebration of our 200th anniversary as a city. (laughs) It wasn't really that hard to realize that a celebration that included the whole city had to be around the one indigenous food that came from Nashville, that is Nashville. So that's uh, now uh, 11 years ago, and every year the crowds have grown, every year the, uh, the vendors and the, and the uh, hot chicken gets better too.
1: And Mr. Mayor, since the beginning of that festival and, and the what I'll call the Nashville hot chicken boom, Clearly, and I, I've learned from talking to Andre, it's it's benefited her family and her business a lot, and that's great to see. But I do wonder, like, there's also other businesses that have sprung up, that have kind of jumped onto the trend, and that may have benefited from the boom more. And maybe part of that is because of because Andre has chosen to keep her business small and local, and that's what she wants. But I wonder if it concerns you that the, the spoils from the boom... <laughs> be distributed equitably?
2: And it's a very interesting question, obviously, whenever the nation discovers something that it really didn't understand or know about before and what that means, especially for the originator. In this case, the good news is that Prince's is full. It's going to be full again next week. And I think in this case, Andre and her family and Prince's Hot Chicken Shack have continued to be uh, not just celebrated, but also uh, benefited by by the, the recognition. So in this case, I think you have a, a great example of where the original has remained not only the best, uh, but the center of it all.
1: note to add, we did reach out to Hattie Bees, but they declined our request for an interview next week on the show I talk with actor Stanley Tucci famous for his roles in classic food movies Big Night and Julie and Julia, also famous for being the hot guy making Negronis on Instagram during COVID, he has a new very food-centric memoir out we'll talk about the famous food scenes in Big Night and how his battle with oral cancer changed his relationship with food that's next week While you wait for that, listen to last week's show with Padma Lakshmi, and please make sure you subscribe to our show in Apple Podcasts or favorite us in Spotify or Stitcher. Connect with our show, and that way you won't miss episodes. Thanks. This episode was originally produced by me and Ann Sani with editing help from Dan Charles. These days, our senior producer is Emma Morgenstern. Our producer is Andres O'Hara. Casey Holford mixed this episode. Music help from Black Label Music. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Daisy Rosario and Peter Clowney. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman.
3: This is Whitney Vaughn from Fort Worth,
1: Texas, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better.